This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. When he descends from heaven, he's going to be a shout. We're going to see that. And those who had died in Christ before the rapture, their bodies will be raised up and he will come with them. And they're going to be raised. So Jesus is going to descend, so you won't confuse yourself. And those who have died already are going to come with him. It says it. And even so, God would bring with him those who slept in Jesus. Those who died in Christ, Jesus is going to come. They're going to be right behind Jesus. Yes, let's get together. Brothers and sisters, there's coming a glorious day for each of us. Today, Pastor Eddie is excited to share with you about the rapture of the Bride of Christ. Think about what that means. Every believer, from the dawn of time, will be together with Jesus. We'll see Abraham, Moses, David, the apostles, and more. Moms, dads, and other loved ones who have passed into the arms of Jesus before us, we'll see again and be with forever. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Rapture. The second death that we deserve he conquered that death, so you won't have to die again. He conquered sin and death. That is why he left his throne in glory, to die on the cross so that we too will have eternal life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says this, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in your heart, this is important, this is powerful, he who raised Christ from the dead would also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you. It's in you. And so our hope is beyond the grave. He says in verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who will sleep in Jesus. So this is the rapture when Christ descends from heaven. We're not talking about his final coming, the second coming, his judgment, where he's going to set foot on the earth. No, he's not. He's going to descend from heaven. And when he descends from heaven, he's going to be a shout. We're going to see that. And those who had died in Christ before the rapture, their bodies will be raised up and he will come with them. And they're going to be raised. So Jesus is going to descend. So you won't confuse yourself. And those who have died already are going to come with him. It says it. And even so, God will bring with him those who slept in Jesus. Those who died in Christ. Jesus is going to come. They're going to be right behind Jesus. Yes, let's get together. Jesus is going to call a shout. He's not going to set foot on earth. That's later on. That's after the tribulation. And he's going to call. And they're going to be raptured. Their bodies are going to be raptured. And we're going to be raptured with him. Now, let's look at this word rapture. There are people who protest and say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. I say, well, you're wrong. It is in the Bible, depending on what version you're reading. And I'm talking about the different English versions, like ESV, NLT, NIV, 
I'm talking about the language. If you had the Bible in the Latin, the Latin Vulgate, you'll find it there. You read the word raptus. Raptus. That is the word that they have for our English word we're going to see in a minute. But in the word ratus in the Latin Vulgate Bible, revised by Jerome, uh, during the second century, 200 AD, the Bible was written in Latin. And around 400 AD, Jerome actually revised it. The word rapture is in there. And that's the earliest version that we have available. It's the one that was revised by Jerome. And the word raptus is in there. And the actual wording is, we shall be raptured with them. So that's where we get our English word, rapture. That's where we get our English word, rapture. So the word is rapture is there. It's just in the Latin Vulgate. And we kind of adopted that. So people will say, well, that was in the 400s. That's a new idea. No, it's been happening since even in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We're talking about this rapture. We're all going to be caught up to be with God. Now, drop down to verse 17. Look at verse 17 to see our word or words. In verse 17, it says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Caught up. Do you have your Bible? Underline the two words, caught up. It says, We shall remain, we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The word caught up is the word harparzo in the Greek. Harparzo, what does it mean? It means snatch away. It means to seize. It means to take violently by force. That's the same definition of raptus. So we have adapted the word rapture because in our English language, there's not a single word. We have to use two words for caught up. In the Greek, it's harparzo. In the Latin Vulgate, it's raptus. In the English, it's caught up. I'd rather say rapture, Okay. So people get into all kinds of semantics. They're like, listen, it's going to happen. Whether you want to use that word or not, just say, okay, caught up. We're going to be caught up with the Lord. And the harpazo is mentioned four times in the New Testament. So same definition. One day, one day, very soon, we will, all of us who have repented in Jesus Christ, we will be raptured, caught up. We will be raptured. And let's go on. Let's read verse 15. It said, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Paul is saying, listen, this is by the word of the Lord. This is not my idea. This is not words from another man. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, that's the rapture, will by no means precede those who are asleep. Those who are died, they're in the presence of the Lord. The Thessalonians believe that, oh man, they missed the coming of Christ, you know? No, he said, no, we're not going to miss it. We're not going to even precede them. They're already in the presence of the Lord. They're in the presence of the Lord. When Christ comes again, again, this is when he descends from heaven. He's not going to step foot. In. You want to read Zechariah chapter 14. He will step foot in, in the Mount of Olives. That's when he's coming to earth. But he's going to call up the bodies of those who are with him. So Jesus is descending, not coming down. He's descending with the souls of the saints. If you will, think of the picture of a marriage, right? The bridegroom is at the altar. And what comes in? The bride. And he's looking at his beautiful bride coming to be joining with him in the altar. That's how it is. As a matter of fact, I found a beautiful picture. I don't know if I can get this painting, it would be awesome. But this is a beautiful picture where you see people are coming. You see Jesus up there and then everybody's just coming. And all of a sudden, the image of the saints coming to Christ is a bride with a gown. It's a beautiful picture. Because the reality is, once we're in the presence of the Lord, the rapture, once we're in the rapture, we're all caught up. The souls of the saints 
Christ is going to call their bodies up. Doesn't matter where their ashes are, whether they're cremated or their body, they're coming up, and we're going to come up with them. As their bodies are going to be united with them, they're going to have a glorified body. Our bodies will be glorified at the same time. We're going to be the bride of Christ. We're no longer the church. We're no longer the church. Right now, we're the church. Because if you read Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, you see, you know, Jesus writing a letter to the church, to the church. The word church is mentioned 19 times in Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3. But here's what happens when you get to chapter 4. He says, come up here. The word church is not mentioned again. Because after the church is raptured with Jesus, there's seven years. Seven years down here is great tribulation. Seven years, which is the traditional Jewish wedding, seven days. So while there's a reception going on, it's going to be a seven-year party. We're married. We're no longer the church. We're the bride now. And then we're going to come back to rule and reign with Christ during a thousand years. And the bride of Christ on white horses with Jesus. And it's going to be awesome. But that's the picture. And this is why that marriage between a man and woman is so important. This is why God hates sexual immorality. Because it's a picture of a man and woman. It's a picture of Christ and the bride. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2 Paul writes this, he said, for I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that is Jesus Christ, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. So I just want to go touch again the great tribulation. Would God allow his bride to go through the great tribulation? I know some men probably would say that right now, husbands, but no, not Christ. I'm not going to allow my bride to go through the great tribulation. It's a perfect picture. We're not appointed to wrath. Verse 16, for the Lord himself, here it is, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Christ descends from heaven with a shout. And what Paul is doing figuratively, he's just mentioning all this thing as an archangel, not that it is. An archangel is, is a higher rank from an angel. And when they call for battle, they just blow their trumpets. And he says, well, this is important. I have to give you this. And if I go five or an hour late, not just kidding. But when you look at the ancient Jewish wedding, I think it's more biblical. The Bible is Eastern-centric. We think it's Western. We Westernize it with American, and that's not it. But if you understand the Eastern culture, the ancient Jewish wedding is beautiful. Because, I'm going to read this verse, John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, and then I'll explain this to you. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. You see, the ancient Jewish marriage was this. What Jesus is referring to, a lot of Jews understand, because what they would do is, like, their father had an estate, he had land, and the son wants to have a, a bride, he wants to, he wants to get married. He would build on his estate, you see. And the father would say before, the father would say, well, let me see you build it right, son, because when I build a house before I got your mother, I did this, I did the crown molding, I made the kitchen a lot larger, I gave her a she shed, and she's happy. No. <laughs> 
that's not, so, but the father would say, he would look and they would build on his estate. That's why Jesus said, my father's out there, many mansions, but this property is estate. And what Jesus is saying, and the Jews understood that, that when the father says to the son, okay, you build your house, you did it right. Well, you know what? I think you need some landscape. Not yet. Just take care of the landscape and then call me back. And guess what? The father said, okay, your house is ready. Go get your bride. Now, here's what happens. The bride already has the gown. The gown is already purchased. She has it. When is her husband coming to get her? She don't know. You know how she will find out? She will find out. When her husband is ready, I'm not going to attempt to blow this, by the way. (laughs) When her husband is ready to get the bride, when the father says, you build your house, go ahead, go get your bride. When he blows the shofar, she hears it. She hears it. She puts on the gown. And she's waiting, and everybody in the village says, oh, Menachem, he's finally getting married. He filled the house. He finished building the house. He's going to get married with Sarah, whatever Jewish female name is. And they're going to get together. Trumpet. That's what we see here. She hears the trumpet. And it's a type, because, you know, there's different ways of how they blow the shofar. They know by the way they, if it's like repeated, or or like different, they know exactly if it's a war battle, intruder. But now this is a wedding shout. And that's what it is. That's why Jesus mentioned this. And so when Jesus, he's going to blow that shofar, if you will, but it's really a trumpet. So it says, for the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Their bodies are coming up. They're going to meet with those souls who were Jesus, that came with Jesus. Okay? And we're going to be just like him. And so their soul, their bodies are coming up. We're joining right after them. We're all going to be together. We're all going to have a glorified body. We're now the bride of Christ. We have our gown. I'm sorry, guys, but you're a bride. A bride of Christ, right? That's why John wrote in his first epistle, not the gospel of John, his first epistle. He wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when... He is revealed, Jesus Christ, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're going to be one with him, glorified body. So you can see that the physical body cannot enter in the kingdom of heaven. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and verse 21, Paul writes this, for our citizenship is in heaven, for we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I bet you if you read these Bible verses in a nursing home, they're going to be exciting. Now I'm going to read a long one for you. We're almost done. 1 Corinthians chapter 50 verses 50. 56. I suggest you read the whole chapter. It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. That's us who are alive. Changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Not a blinking, 
a twinkle of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will rise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this body, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruptible, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Death has no power over you and I. It doesn't. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have hope. Not like the world, we have hope. A memorial service, a funeral service for a believer in Jesus Christ should be a celebration. We have this mentality of sorrow. Yes, you're going to admit it's a sad thing. Goodbye. You know, we may say goodbye to somebody who's going to move to the other side of the country and don't know when you're going to see them again. I understand. But it's not like, hey, they're gone. No. It's alive and well. Now, this is important for those of you who like to study eschatology because some people will take things out of context. They don't read. They don't compare verses and scriptures. And when you don't compare verses and scriptures, you just say, well, there goes the trumpet. That's the last trumpet. And that means, you know, Trump is going to be blown in the Great Tribulation. Well, yeah, there's going to be a trumpet that's going to be blown in the Great Tribulation, but there's also going to be a trumpet, which will be the last trumpet on earth before at the rapture. And so people like to confuse that the trumpets that are blown in chapters 8 through 11 in Revelation, in chapters 8 through 11, are blown by angels. The difference between the trumpets that they blow in the middle of the Great Tribulation is that what comes with it is woes. Woe, woe, woe to the earth. Okay, that's a woe. The difference is with the trumpet that we will hear, you and I, at the rapture, it's a wow. It's a difference. Just remember those two. Because this is where people say, well, I think we're going to go through the great tribulation because that's the trumpet. That's the trumpet. We're going to hear a trumpet. No, there is a trumpet before the great tribulation, and they are trumpets, plural, not blown by Jesus. This one in Thessalonians, Paul is telling us right here, Jesus is blowing. He's calling his bride. He's blowing the shofar. He's calling his bride. The trumpets that are blown in, in Revelation are the judgments that's coming onto this world. And it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Raptus, harparso, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. After the rapture, that's where we have eternal life. We will always be with the Lord. And then Paul says in verse 18, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now that you understand the rapture, and there are many passages, and there's many uh, parts that we could look when it comes to eschatology. But now that you understand, you need to share this. Because Paul said, I don't want believers to be ignorant. And if you have a brother and sister in the Lord that knows Jesus, they don't have to come to our church. They believe in Jesus. God doesn't want them to be ignorant. Now you're not ignorant. Now we live in hope. We rejoice right now. We live a life glorifying God. And we honor him, and we live as Paul. His theme here is to walk, walk in love, walk in harmony, you know, walk in honesty, and we walk in anticipation of the Lord's coming. We don't know when he could come. You know, you have the pre-trib, you have the mid-trib, and you have the post-trib. The pre-trib is what we believe, is what I wholeheartedly believe, because it's consistent, as I explained earlier. In Genesis, God always saved his people from the wrath 
Even here's amazing that I forgot to include this. Abraham, when he spoke with the Lord, he said, Lord, there are 50 righteous. But before, he said this to the Lord. And Abraham didn't have the Bible. The Bible wasn't written. Moses wasn't even alive. We're talking about hundreds of years. But Abraham knew God. He said, God, this is what he said. It is not like you to judge the righteous with the wicked. God never judges the righteous with the wicked. Never. And you're not the wicked. You're his people. You're betrothed to a virgin as a church to Christ, the bridegroom. And we need to encourage one another. And lastly, I just want to deal with the common question that people ask. Will I recognize my loved ones when I get to heaven? Well, I like what Chuck Smith would say. Chuck Smith is a Chuckism. But Chuck would say this when people would ask this, I don't think we are going to be dumber in heaven than we are on earth. <laughs> and that's a great saying. But of course we wouldn't know. It's intuitive knowledge. You remember when Jesus was at the Mount of Transfiguration? Who appeared with Jesus? Moses and Elijah, right? Elijah skipped death. Moses, there was a spew for his bones, right? In the book of Jude, right? And Peter, James, and John were with Jesus. And Peter said, Jesus, shall we build three tents? One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. How did he know it was Moses and Elijah? Intuitive knowledge. They're thousands of years apart. You're going to know. You're going to know. You're going to find your loved ones. I think, you know, there was this uh, woman that I knew in the church in the city. She, before she gave her life to the Lord, she had aborted twins. And she gave her life to her. She repented of that. And the Lord blessed her. She got married. The Lord blessed her with twins. But there was a question always. Would she identify, recognize the babies? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every woman who have aborted a child before receiving Jesus Christ and have repented, they're going to see that child. For those who, who had miscarriages, you're going to see your child. You're going to know who they are. They're going to know you. We're all going to know each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. I'll leave you with this. Paul writes, For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. We're going to know because we were Jesus Christ. Saints, we have hope. We have hope beyond the grave. And it's real. We should live for that eternal life in glory. The life you live now, whatever plans you do, yeah, you know, do be faithful. Be a good steward of your home. Be a good steward if you're a husband or wife. Honor each other. If you have children, raise them up in the ways of the Lord. If the Lord bless you with a home, bless your finance and your job, be a good steward of that. But that doesn't define who you are. That's not what we live for. We're here to glorify God. So many people put in the here and now and not concerned about the then in heaven. This is all temporary. But we have a hope because God said so. He conquered the grave. And because he conquered the grave, that's the power that was in Christ, that rose Christ from the grave, is in us. We will rise with him. Whether you die, when you die, you're in the presence of the Lord. That's great. Don't worry about your belongings, right? You can't take anything with you. You're just going to be in the presence of the Lord. If you're here, if he comes, you will all be in glory. Amen. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of 1 Thessalonians with us here on Running the Race. There's much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, 
we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 10 a.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry, and you'd like to know how you could partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time, right here on Running the Race.